Welcome to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Your hosts are Annika Melchert and Nora Hocker. Join them as they talk to hand-picked FinTech experts about the future of banking. Hello and welcome to another episode of the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Today, we have a very special guest and ex-BCG colleague. Say hi to Simon Hall, former chief IT architect at BCG Platinian and now CTO of Payout, a Dutch fintech which provides an all-in-one payment solution for online marketplaces. Hello to Amsterdam and welcome, Simon. Great having you here. Great. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, Simon, I must admit I'm super curious from consultant to former consultant now. I have one big question from the start. What made you quit consulting and join such an ambitious fintech? It's a good question. I've been in consulting for most of my professional life. When I first started fresh out of university, I was working for a small startup. And I was there for just over half a year before I moved to the Netherlands and Amsterdam and started my consulting life. First with another consulting company and then with BCG Platinian. And after many years of doing consulting, I was mostly working with, you know, leaders of the, the customers that we were working with. So CIOs and CTOs, and we were helping them solve big challenges, so either strategic issues that were on their mind or operational issues. And it was always in an advisory capacity. So usually we would come in, we would help them solve that particular problem at hand, but then we would leave. And we would go on to solve the next challenge for, for the next customer. And I, I love that about consulting. But after having done so for so many years, I was really keen to do that myself and to have my own team, my own organization, and to stay a bit longer and to really nurture it and see it grow even beyond the specific you know, issue at hand or, or case that I was working on and build something more permanent for myself. So... Uh, Yeah, that was really the trigger for me to start looking outside of consulting. And I ended up in the, the fintech space, uh, which is something that I was doing during my consulting career as well, to work in financial services and, and banking. And so, so it was also a natural step for me to go into uh, that industry. And I was fortunate to find such a, a good position to start as a CTO for, for the company that I am at now. That's understandable, even from someone who still loves consulting. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, being CTO, that there's really no better position you can imagine to shape the technology of such a fintech. So super, super interesting. Coming back to, to Payout now, as a payment solution provider, you basically function as an intermediary between sellers and the different payment service providers, correct? Correct. So we do payment solutions for marketplaces. That's really our speciality. So typically a payment service provider or a PSP is tasked with getting money from the buyer to the, the company that is selling the product. So if you think of a typical e-commerce scenario, if you buy a, a pair of shoes, for example, you would put the, the shoes in your basket, you would go through the checkout. And with that, you would then go through a, a payment service provider to pay with your credit card or with PayPal or with Ideal, which is a solution here in the Netherlands, to transfer money from Europe to the, the merchant's account. But with Payout, we primarily serve marketplaces which function a bit differently. For a marketplace, there's always a buyer and a seller. So usually the, the payment service provider is set up to transfer money from the buyer to the merchant, but not necessarily from the merchant to the seller. So that's an extra leg of the transaction. 
And we are focusing on yeah, getting money from the buyer to the seller and helping the merchant or the, the marketplace um, in that space. Okay, so in, I mean, that sounds like a super specialized or, or kind of a niche business model. Who exactly in this whole marketplace ecosystem, who exactly is or are your clients who works with the solution and how, for example? Yeah, sure. So really, we are set up to work with any marketplace that has a part in the, the money flow, so to say. So that is actually orchestrating the payment between the buyer and the seller. So some marketplaces work with primarily handling the connection between the, the buyer and the seller, and then the buyer and the seller would maybe meet up in real life and carry out the transaction. And those are marketplaces that we don't serve today. But it's really marketplaces which also then facilitates the payment and the money flow between the buyer and the seller. Today, we have a, a few clients that we're working with. They're primarily based in the Netherlands. But we recently received an extended payment restitution license which enable us to also provide our services throughout Europe. So uh, right now we're focusing on neighboring countries, such as Germany, for example, and we're looking to expand to those countries as well. But so the client is actually the marketplace itself. So that's also where you're getting your money from. Correct. Our customer is indeed the marketplace. So the marketplace would take us in and they would use us to facilitate these payments. And they would then pay a commission to us for the services that we provide to them. Okay. Um, we've currently read that Payout's plan was to grow to around $300 million in process payments band of 2021. I have to admit, I'm curious now. Have you already achieved this? And what are your growth plans for the future? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. It is something that we're, we're working towards, but we're still quite early in our journey. So Payout is about two years old since our, our, our co-founders started Payout. And as you can imagine, there is quite a lot of work that goes into building a, a payment platform like Payout. There is a technology aspect to building up the platform itself. That would be my next question. So how do you, especially you and your role as a CTO, make sure that you can also scale, especially from a technical perspective here? Yeah, sure. So um, indeed, when we first started Payout, we started with kind of an MVP or a minimum viable product that would do everything that we need to do. And that's really, so maybe it's a good point also to explain how Payout works. So typically the marketplaces that we work with would have a payment service provider that are servicing them. So this would be uh, players like Adgen or Stripe, for example. And these payment service providers would be responsible for getting the money from the buyer. But then what we do is that we set it up in such a way so that the, the payment service provider or payment service providers that our customers are working with are settling to us instead. So the money goes from the buyer to payouts account. And then the marketplace gives us instructions for how to divide that payment. So let's say that you buy a pair of shoes on a marketplace for 100 euros. Then maybe 90 euros of those would go to the seller, but 10 euros would go to commission, for example, to the marketplace. Or you might have scenarios where you have multiple sellers that would split this payment. So maybe they would each get 45 euros and then the marketplace would get 10 euros. So um, building a system like this... Um, we first started building a minimum viable product that will handle the, the incoming uh, reports from the, the payment service providers, uh, the instructions to split those payments, 
and also integrate with the bank, both to first to understand what money really came into our bank accounts, but then also to facilitate the transactions going out from our systems. And um, the role of technology in all of this is, of course, goes across this entire chain. So first of all, building the integrations with uh, the payment service providers that we work with, with the banks, uh, also handling different uh, split payments. We facilitate KYC processes. Um, and one of the things that we have been working on now is to build systems that would scale much better with load as, as it's coming in. So that means uh, transforming to uh, a microservice architecture, for example. So we recently moved from an IaaS setup, so infrastructure as a service, to moving more to a, a container platform, which can scale much more with demand. And also thinking through how does the services that perform these various functions within the platform connect and scale with load? Um, and also handling you know, synchronous and asynchronous communication with whatever is time critical that we can handle that directly and whatever is not directly time critical that we can you know, have proper mechanisms to queue it or scale up the services in the back end to, to handle the, the load and the scale for our platform. Uh, this would also lead me to my next question. So talking about your tech stack, how do you achieve a great developer experience here? I already had a look at your public API catalog and Nora and me both think it looks very nice and clean. How do you ensure to to let it stay that nice and clean even when talking about scaling or moving to a microservice-based architecture? Yeah, I mean, the way I understood your product is also that, I mean, basically the users of your product are the developers of a marketplace, right? Because it's a fully API-driven product. Yeah, correct. So if I would think of the end users, so starting with that question. So it's really, yeah, indeed the developers of the marketplace that we work with to build the integrations between the marketplace's systems and our systems. So typically these would be e-commerce systems that would handle, for example, the orders or the payments or the various things that are sold on the marketplace. But then we also do quite a lot of integration and work with the finance operations team of these marketplaces. So the finance operations team would, for example, handle refunds. They would want to have an overview of what's happening on the platform. So they would use our, our APIs and our systems quite extensively to give them the transparency and oversight of you know, what's taking place on the platform, what's the status of the, the KYC status of the, the customers that have onboarded, etc. And then if I think of this from a tech stack and a developer experience, of course, internally, we, we started off with our minimum viable product, which was built on uh, essentially a Java backend that we had built that would handle the various functions. And we hosted it on an IaaS. But then also as payout grows, both in terms of the, the volumes that we're processing, but also the developers and engineers that are working internally for payout, we also had to go through a transformation of, of changing our internal technology stack to better cater for you know, multiple teams, additional developers, etc. So It's something that I've been quite busy with during my time here at Payout. If I would think through and express what was really part of the, the Payout tech stack, it's, uh, well, first of all, we're on public cloud. So that was a transition that we made uh, relatively recently from a private cloud solution. And um, one of the, the really cool things that we do is that we script everything. So uh, it's all infrastructure as code. So all of our services and our infrastructure resources are defined in Terraform which would really be everything from you know, data lakes to services or, or Kubernetes clusters, networking, API portals, etc. 
from there, we deploy onto those Kubernetes resources that we have as we integrate that with our CICD pipeline. Um, so as we're developing code that's you know tested, goes through the, the various uh, yeah, testing flows, and then automatically deployed on these environments uh, that we have. I actually have two follow-up questions on that. Let's maybe start with the first one. You just mentioned that you recently transitioned from private cloud to public cloud. I'm super keen to know why you initially started with the private cloud, because as I understand, Payout was founded in 2019, where actually quite some fintechs would already have moved or have directly started on the public cloud. Why did Payout not do this step? Yeah, it's a good question. So one of the main reasons why we started with that private cloud solution was also cost. So the private cloud solution that we, we had was really cost effective and it met our needs at the time. So at the time we had primarily Java applications that were running as you know traditional Spring Boot applications that you would have and hosting that on an IaaS or a private cloud solution that we had at the time was sufficient. It was easy to get started. It was cost-effective. It did the trick. We also hosted a lot of our other office IT, for example, on this private cloud. And it worked well. But what we saw as we grew is that that was starting to impact our velocity to manage um, essentially the servers directly. And we were looking for a more managed solution, uh, which is why we moved to, to Google Cloud. And with that, we then also yeah, put in the investment to codify our infrastructure. So we're really building it with you know, Terraform and Helm and, and all of that good stuff. Um, and we're now starting to see the, the results and the dividends of, of that investment. All right. So moving to my second question, you also just mentioned that you're automating quite a lot in your development pipeline. And that sounds, I mean, super reasonable. One thing that um, however, wondering, and maybe you can just uh, shed some light into this mystery, because a lot of traditional banks, from my experience, kind of block this like CI/CD full automation idea, and that the argument of requiring still a kind of a manual decision to release something that you cannot just when you're working in a banking ecosystem, you cannot simply release new code because there are so many risks imposed to, well, maybe crashing something in production. So did you also experience any concerns here? Or how did you, I mean, apparently you resolved it. How did you do so? That's absolutely true. And we also need to apply to those principles. So there's, for example, the 4i principles, that every piece of code that goes to production should be validated by at least 4i's, which means approvals before we release it to production. So while we have our CI/CD and our automated deployments in place, they don't automatically deploy to production. But usually we have, um, or rather we have a pre-production environment that we automatically release to. But then there is an additional manual step um, to release it to production, where I need to go in and approve that particular change to make it all the way. So uh, the, uh, the regulations still apply to us, uh, but we automate as much as we can, and especially. In terms of infrastructure, so for example, provisioning temporary environments to do our testing is something that we have yeah, invested a lot in. And that's then also part of this automated testing, making sure that the environments are similar or the same, both for you know, test, pre-production, production, and so on. You just mentioned automated testing as well. I mean, that's also a measure that I think a lot of 
traditional banks, but also fintechs are are more and more stepping into. And it's, of course, easy if you start from scratch and immediately kind of script your test cases and run them automatically. Would you say you had exactly this clean start or did you at one point have to decide, okay, now we really need to automate that stuff. Otherwise, we won't be able to scale. Oh, yeah, I, I think we're still on that journey. So while we have a fair bit of automated testing, we're by no means done. I think we will never truly be done. Uh, maybe, uh, hopefully, we will reach a point like that. But I think that's the topic where you continuously need to invest and improve upon. One exciting thing that we're doing in this space is that we're building a, a simulator. So what really, automated testing can be done on multiple levels, of course. You have the unit tests, the other integration tests, but it's often difficult to simulate more complex flows. So you can imagine, you know, multiple transactions that are taking place, which have dependencies between these transactions. So um, one of the things that we're investing in now and we're building out is a simulator that will simulate, you know, thousands of transactions on our system, and making sure both that our system can handle the load, but maybe more importantly, handle everything in the correct way to make sure that all of the balances in our bookkeeping systems are correct, that the transactions are processed in the right order, etc. So that's an interesting approach that we're taking to go beyond, you know, simply unit testing or simply integration testing. <laughs> yeah, that very much also sounds like um, you're leveraging the opportunities of the public cloud here. Yes. May I ask what platform it is that you're building Payout now on or that you have moved it to? Yeah, sure. We're building it on Google Cloud Platform. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I feel that there's quite a movement right now that initially the fintechs were very much like driven towards AWS. But now more and more fintechs are actually looking towards Google Cloud. What is the key advantage of Google Cloud for you? I mean, talking about Amsterdam is key location. The other windows would also be appropriate, correct? Yeah, so we had a fair, fairly long debate <laughs> about this, as you can imagine. I think cloud providers is something that's close to every engineer's heart. And often it depends on which uh, provider you have prior experience with, which you, you know how it works. But we were really deciding between the three major cloud providers, so AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure. And we ruled out Azure relatively quickly. Well, maybe before I dive into our analysis, I believe that any of these three providers would work for us and that they would do the job just fine. But the reason why we ruled out Azure is a, a previous experience that I had actually working for BCG Platinum. And seeing how Azure was still tailored towards Windows, which maybe sounds unsurprising, but it was quite surprising for me. At least at that point in time, there were uh, certain services that were not available on Linux virtual machines, but only on Windows virtual machines, for example, some logging and monitoring functionality that we really needed. And that, that was the, the main reason why we excluded Azure. Then we decided between AWS and GCP, really determining factors for GCP is that they have very strong Kubernetes technology. So both their, their managed Kubernetes engine But also services like Cloud Run, for example, or Cloud Functions are, are quite strong, even though you have equivalents on AWS as well. We also found AWS quite complex to work with. The, the learning curve is quite steep for AWS, and we didn't have much prior skills in either AWS or, or GCP previously. So that was one of the factors that pushed us towards GCP as well. And then finally, we always found 
the learning materials from GCP being a bit better. So they, for example, have a great offering on Coursera where our engineers could pick up, you know, could, could learn about Kubernetes or BigQuery, for example. And it was just easy to get started with. And that's why we ultimately decided for a Google Cloud Platform. I agree on this. So when we're doing our cloud certifications at BCG Platinian, we're also recommending the Coursera platform. <laughs> Sounds like a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> One question regarding the regulatory implications, not only in the context of public cloud, but maybe let's focus on the general aspects here. Have you experienced any hurdles imposed by the regulators which limited you in, in building the tech platform the way you want? Oh, I think that the regulatory environment is, of course, quite strict. So we are a regulated entity with our payment institutions license, which means that we need to follow quite a number of guidelines related to data privacy, data security. We talked earlier about our deployment processes, for example. And there are also other elements that come in, for example, transaction monitoring. Also PSD2 when talking about the API catalog, for instance. Yes, in indeed. Of course, that, that's quite driving to the, the work that we do. First of all, being up to speed with the regulations, but also implementing technology solutions that can meet them without causing problems with our compliance with regulatory status. It's also one of the core parts of the offering that we have, so the value proposition of payout. With the, the introduction of PSD2, all marketplaces that are part of the money flow actually need to have a bank banking license as well. So earlier, they had often collected the money themselves and then handled the payouts to their sellers. But in fact, to do so, you need a proper license, which comes with cost, it comes with required expertise, uh, it comes with guidelines and regulations that you need to follow. So the fact that we have gone through that process and that we're offering a compliant solution to our customers is a key reason why our customers also decide to go with payouts and work with us. So, and the license you now have, is that actually like applied to the Dutch market only or does it enable you to offer your services across Europe? I mean, <laughs> yeah, lo looking at the European market, it's quite fragmented. And we've also learned from a lot of other fintechs that actually moving from even one European country to from Germany to France, for example, you need to fulfill quite a set of different regulations already. So how is that in the payment space? Yeah, no, that's... Um, so we started with a license in the Netherlands and we recently got approved to extend that license throughout Europe as well. So, uh, but it was a two-step process. We started with indeed the Netherlands and then later Europe. Although we have the license for all of Europe, there are still local regulations that we need to follow. Typically, what we see in, in our space is that they would come in the areas of transaction monitoring, for example, where there are local flavors of how you should monitor transactions with that particular country or regulated entity. There might also be slight differences in KYC, so that's know your customer, or KYB, know your business, that you need to fulfill. Maybe there are certain processes that you need to go through, certain providers that we can work with that would fulfill the local demands. So while we are, we can operate throughout Europe, but there's still, we still need to do our homework for every new country that we, we go into. So I've read, I think in, in one of your interviews, you said that the next geographical step would be the German market. Was this impacted also by the regulatory environment or by <laughs> hurdles that were not there, but you would have had them in, in other countries, for example? Yeah, so 
Not really. So the reason to focus on, on Germany was not necessarily due to that the regulations in Germany was better than that in Austria or in France or, or Belgium. Uh, but it was really more of a business decision. And what we see is that there is quite a strong connection between the, the Dutch market and the German market. So it was a natural extension for us to go there next. It's also quite a big market, Germany. So it made sense for us to go there and um, establish ourselves in the German market too. So you already kind of looked a bit into the future in terms of what are your growth plans. Let's maybe put that look even even further into the future. And I'd really like to know what is your vision of the payments industry and maybe even broader the financial services industry in 10 years? Yeah. So one of the fundamental pillars that Payout was founded on was flexibility. So, uh, of course, if you have a, an e-commerce site, then you often work with one payment service provider. So that payment service provider would be the one that will get the money from the buyer to the e-commerce site. And what we see is when you extend that to marketplaces, often the services that are available are coupled, so payment service provider services, but then also marketplace services, which is indeed getting the money from the buyer all the way to the seller, which ultimately creates a lock-in to work with only one payment service provider. But what we see is that no payment service provider is the best across the board. That could be in terms of the, the authorization rate or the payment success rate. It could be around the geographical coverage. It could be around the payment methods that are available. Or it could be around the fees that they offer for certain payment volumes. So what we see is that flexibility is important. And working with multiple payment service providers, so for example, Stripe, Adyen, PayPal, for example, you can really get the best of all of them. And Payout is founded on the principle that you can work with one marketplace solution, which would be Payout, and then work with multiple different payment service providers That, that would then give the benefit for each one of them. So um, that's our big bet for the future, that flexibility will be key and that mixing and matching payment service providers will be highly beneficial. I also believe for marketplaces specifically that the future will still be quite regulated. So uh, of course, there were new regulations that were introduced recently that all marketplaces had to follow, well, essentially get a banking license if they wanted to do this themselves. Uh, and that's something that I don't think will go away. Of course, not the next few years. Um, but of course, we're working with people's money. And I think regulations will stay and they will continue being a driving force for everyone that is involved in payments. Beyond that, I think for payment solutions for marketplaces, companies will ex expect more. So both the marketplaces themselves, but also the sellers on the marketplace which means that if you're selling something on a marketplace, you want to get your money quick, for example. So you don't want to wait you know, a week or, or several days after you sold something to get your money. And you want to have transparency on you know, when it's coming. Uh, you want it to be quick. You want it to be through the, your favorite method of being paid out, if that's a bank transfer or if it's a, your credit card or if it's your PayPal wallet. You want to have it in the, the way that suits you best. Um, and then also you want to have an overview of the, the purchases that you made. So if you paid, for example, commission to the marketplace, you want to have that easily accessible so that you know, yeah, this is the kind of commission that I paid. This is where I got paid out. So all to say, I think the flexibility is key. 
but then also that there is a significant room to improve on both the marketplace experience, the merchant experience, uh, but also for the seller experience, working and, and selling stuff on the marketplaces. One name that actually pops up quite a lot right now is Amazon being like the marketplace of today. And I'm pretty sure that they definitely have this payment processing capability, at least internal. So they need to be able to process payments from their customers to the different sellers or providers on the platform. So are you afraid of, of Amazon kind of uh, getting into the space that you are now trying to cover? Or what is your plan to avoid being disrupted by them? Yeah, that's a good question. So usually when we think of that market, we think of it in, in a few segments. We have the small marketplaces, so either the small marketplaces are unregulated, so they are in need of a, a licensed solution or a regulated solution. Then you have a bit marketplaces that are a bit bigger that are now working with only a single PSP. Maybe that's working a single payment service provider and that's maybe working well for them. But for the giants like uh, Amazon, for example, many of them have built their own solutions. Uh, so they have built essentially their own version of payouts to handle uh, integrations with multiple payment service providers. Uh, and then they do the orchestration, the reconciliation, the KYC They've built all of those systems in-house. And often they are so specialized to the specific business. Uh, so I have no insights in, in Amazon's marketplace um, uh, technology, but I would imagine it's tightly coupled with, with Amazon. So they, they haven't really productized it or sell it or offer it to, to other companies. So what we are looking to do is to commoditize these kind of payment orchestration, payment solutions for marketplaces and then offer them to, to other companies, either that have their own solution that is expensive to maintain. Maybe they need money. There's still a lot of manual processes. They need many finance managers. Maybe it's not working so well. So they would consider then switching over to a, a managed solution for them. Or marketplaces that are even new or that have a solution that is unlicensed and they want to get a, a licensed solution that is compliant with uh, the local regulations. And I think we, we see this as an industry trend as well. So there, there's been a shift of building software and, and technology yourself to commoditizing it. So we saw that in, in banking, for example, where a lot of the old banking systems were really homegrown. They were built during the, you know, the, the 70s, you know, these old mainframe systems that still remain, to a push of having more products that would solve this. So we saw this first in the core banking system space, We have players like uh, Terminos, newer players like Mambo or Thought Machine that would really commoditize this banking core. They are now starting to see that in the orchestration layer or the, the channel layers as well. We have players like Backbase, for example, that are now productizing and enabling banks to really you know, buy a piece of software that already does what they need it to do and then just customize it and tailor it to their demands. And I, I believe the same will happen for marketplace payment technology as well. And that's what Payout is gearing up for and building for in the future. Thanks for your insights here. Maybe one last question before we are coming to an end. If you had to bet on one emerging technology right now, which one would it be? Oh, um, um, so I actually used to work in, in AI. That's um, a safe bet, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a safe bet, indeed. But of course, AI is wide. I mean, AI is not one thing. 
you know, natural language processing, deep learning, various kinds of machine learning. But I think with AI, it really has come into our lives in, in a way that we didn't really anticipate. Well, maybe we anticipated, but I think the transformation came much sooner than at least uh, I had imagined with us having, uh, you know, these uh, virtual assistants with, you know, Alexa and, uh, and Google Home. And I think that would just continue. I think there are many different areas that are still ripe for improvements with AI. And if I think of the, the payments and the, the fintech space, um, there are things like uh, transaction monitoring, for example, that can be made much better with AI. For more legacy banks, there's a lot of process optimization that can be done across automation with AI. And I think we'll just see more and more use cases where it will really be beneficial, provide better service, help make things more yeah, efficient and effective for the, the companies that use it. Oh, I like that very much. Having an AI background myself, that is music to my ears. Unfortunately, we're already at the end of today's episode and we cannot turn an extra round on AI now. But looking back, we've already gained some great insights on payout, on the technology and your perspectives being a CTO. Thank you very much for being with us today, Simon. Great. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on the show. Now, back to you, our dear followers. Did you enjoy today's episode? What are your thoughts on the perspective shared by Simon? Let us know via email or on LinkedIn. And don't forget to follow this podcast. Bye. You've been listening to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. BCG Platinian, your experts on IT strategy, modern technology architecture, and state-of-the-art banking. The digital future is now. For more information, check bcgplatinian.com.